Hello, and welcome to another episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast. I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have my co-host, researcher, and friend, James Goad. And together, we're discussing the very weird things that preachers say, why they say them, and how they relate back to the latter rain healing revivals of the late 1940s through the 1960s. James, for some time, I've been toying with this concept in my head. I've been <laughs> wanting to have an episode on preachers behaving badly. <clears throat> and <laughs> it's, it's difficult, right? Because almost every single minister that you have been researching, and in many of their cases, almost every single sermon could be an episode of that in of itself. So where do you start, right? Right. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> apparently somebody sent you a uh, sermon in particular. I, I don't know if I would even call this a sermon. Somebody sent you a preacher behaving badly. I'll just <laughs> say it like that. <laughs> We're not going to mention the, the minister's name, but um, gave you some special insight on what was going on in, in the course of this quote-unquote sermon. And... Um, you asked me before the show, should, had I researched it, had I gone through what you have, and this is going to come as a complete, almost complete surprise to me. I I actually did not listen to any of it yet. <laughs> I purposefully, <laughs> for the sake of the episode, I, I purposefully want to be somewhat shocked at what you have to say, so I uh, purposefully did not get into it very much, and um, I, uh, you did mention, however, before the episode that there was some sort of a rant against t-shirts and I know this is a thing there are many many churches that <laughs> I've known about for some time that are affiliated with this thing that t-shirts with prints are taboo you're not supposed to wear them and I was never in any of those they had limits as to what you could have on them but you and I for the audience who don't have the visuals we're both wearing t-shirts and mine is mine is the most i call this my ex-cult shirt right this is I, you can't read the words yet i'm gonna sit up here in a minute but it says it's got a picture of the star wars death star and this uh stormtrooper looking back and says no i had friends on that death star so <laughs> It's it's my it, there's no way no better way to describe it man I had friends in this thing you know so anyway I'll, I'll let you take the lead on this one because you've done all the research and I'm the person who's going to be shocked <laughs> Yeah so this is definitely one of the most interesting ones that we've tackled and I think it's a topic and and it kind of wraps into the whole concept especially in the sex that we're familiar with this whole like hyper militarized view of like church order this concept of church order and in these destructive cults these sorts of things are used and weaponized to um to sort of get what the administration wants and yeah. a lot of times in the most uh they're not usually very nice when it comes down to it, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, and and yeah, the whole T-shirt thing is 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 definitely a uh, sort of a, a mockery of the whole thing of um, 
You know, this militarized view of what you have to wear. And if you wear anything less then you're not, you're not the best Christian that you could be in the moment. And, and it's just, it, it's, it's one of those things that w- when you're in and around these groups, all this stuff is extremely familiar to a lot of people. And if you've never been around a group like this, it would sound so foreign and so alien. You're like, you're like, you're, <laughs> you are wearing clothes. Yeah. You're wearing clothes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the problem? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really so odd. I mean, I'll never forget when I first started doing this thing. I I started out, you know, I, I didn't understand what this was. I actually thought that the central figure was actually a prophet, and I thought that he had failed prophecies, and yet he was still a prophet. There was this weird thing in my head that it took me a long time to get out. And so if you go back to the early versions of what I did, which – wasn't very polished, I'll admit. Um, there were people that actually thought that I was still a part of it. And I'll never forget, I had this lady contact me, and she was from, I can't remember where, somewhere way up in Alaska. And she said, man, I- I'm sorry, brothers. I just, I really want to be part of this religion. But I have to tell you, I would freeze to death if I wore the clothes that you guys want me to wear. (laughs) My legs would get frostbite. And even still then, I'm still kind of unraveling the difference between what the Bible says about modesty and what the Pentecostal religion and this, um, you know, these Pentecostal cults taught about modesty being skin, because the two are separate. And if you actually know the cultures behind the statements in the Bible, speaking of modesty, it really doesn't have that much to do with sexual desire, skin, or anything like this. It's more about don't go dressed in gaudy with these you know, heavy jewelry into this primitive tribe that's going to look at you like you're some kind of a king or you know, dictator, monarch, whatever. <clears throat> so it, it was really odd to get this comparison. But then take that levels further don't wear t-shirts. <laughs> it's just absolutely absurd. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole thing about all that stuff with the, the, the t-shirts is it's, it's all crazy, you know, that it's so, there's so much weight put on, um, what you're wearing in these, in these services. And, and it's, it's all about, you know, we are the elite, we are the best. So we wear the best. And, and there's a lot that goes into that, but one of the things that I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to circle back and, um, because, uh, that, that topic is actually further in the oh, discussion, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, cause one of the things here that is so key about this situation, and, and this is something that people who have been in groups like this, they will have seen things like this and they will have probably experienced something like this at one point in time in their group. Um, and you kind of need the larger context and the larger picture to kind of see it all play out to kind of really see what's going on here. Cause in isolation, you can pick out a few things that are kind of like, Ooh, that's odd or that's weird. But when you kind of see the entire thing playing out, it kind of sets a picture that is even more sinister than just a few isolated pieces. So I want to go back to this and then I'm going to set up this first clip here, but you have a situation where, um, <clears throat> there's apparently some murmurings in the congregation that a deacon may be taking more authority or maybe influencing the pastor, which is people who know or are familiar with these groups. The pastor, 
especially the groups I'm familiar with, is like the supreme, like he is the central figure of that group. Yeah. So if something, if someone comes in that appears to be taking more authority than that central figure, it kind of creates a problem, especially with that pastor's sort, his, his authority and then also whatever else is going on behind the scenes. So it's very interesting. And of course, since this is sort of set up in a, in a, in a church setting, of course, just like everything, it's set up with a prayer. So let's take a look at this prayer real quick and see how the, the, the foundation's being laid for what's about to transpire. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Lord, you know what needs to be done, what needs to be said, Father. Lord, there's nothing new under the sun, Lord, that Satan has his devices he uses over and over and over, Lord, because they work so effectively, Lord. But Father, may this, these words help to put something down, Lord. And may you take care of it. May you caress the hearts, Lord. And may they repent of these things, whoever they may be, Father. Lord, may thy perfect will be done. Help me, lead and guide me now, Father. In that precious name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. Oh boy, James. Whoever they may be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been in sermons like that, or, you know, setting, I don't, I, I hate to use the word sermon. This is not a sermon. I, I've been in situations where there was a culling. I'll, let's use the word culling in this episode. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been in churches where they had a culling and, you know, to the average person, if somebody was out on the street and suddenly decided, Hey, I want to go see what this church is all about. They'd hear this and they just think, well, that's kind of odd. They wouldn't understand. But right. in the hierarchy that you mentioned, you're right. The pastor is the ultimate authority. He is the dictator for the people, and he's the king of his kingdom. <clears throat> but even more strange to people who are never in this thing, the deacons are the policemen. But they're more than that. They're the policemen. They're the private investigators they're the all in wonder enforcing <laughs> enforcing the <laughs> i don't know what you call it they're 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 the ones that in in school they were the people that would tattletale on you you know they're they're watching everybody they're telling the pastor so that the pastor can give a sermon so whenever he says whoever they may be he's setting <laughs> Oh my gosh, man. He, he's setting up the situation where the pastor can initiate a culling. Right. And one of the things that is something that even I was more shocked about when I started learning about how these militant groups, how things sort of go, is a lot of times there is a lot of people in the administration who play, they, they play like they're not as clued in a lot of times as they are. So they'll say things like, you know, Lord, whoever, but a lot of times these people know who's about to get the chopping, who's, who's on the chopping block. <laughs> and, you know, it's so sad because in these groups, we're, we're taught to have extreme reverence and, and we're always supposed to be humble and meek to the spirit as it's moving. And, um, and when you've got situations that creep up where, people take control and they use them for nefarious purposes they take that meekness and that and that humbleness and they use it to cower you into a corner while they beat you mercilessly to get the results they want out of you yeah it's a verbal whiplash man there <clears throat> it, it's so it's so awful because now having experienced 
normal churches and understanding that it's not meant to be this hierarchy. The pastor is meant to be your humble servant, the the lowest among you, the you know, the one who's trying to help you. And you know, there's all these parables of the shepherd and the sheep. He's just literally a person who's there to help and help guide and in these churches they they want to give you the mentality that he he alone is the mouthpiece of God. And in doing so, they usurp the authority of the Holy Spirit, where the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the one sent to lead and guide us. The ministers, even in their sermon content, they'll try to set it up such that the Spirit can't guide you. I have to be the one guiding you, and we call that the Spirit. And so literally, he's combining himself, his ministry, you know, whatever it is, and I've not you know, research this particular minister, I'm speaking in general terms, but they try to combine themselves where they become the mouthpiece of God, the Holy Spirit. And then every single time they mention the helper that is to come, they are that helper. They are by proxy. They're the Holy Spirit to the people. And it sets up this, this hierarchy that it's, uh, there's no other way to say it, man. It, It is demonic. And that's why you see these Cullings that we were talking about today. James, let's do this. So we we try very hard not to single out a particular church or minister and you know pick on them. I, I'm like you, I know nothing about this church hardly. I, I know a few things because I've been told, but honestly, people don't realize this. I'm just so far disconnected from it. Even when people send me clips, I I'll skim it. I don't usually I'll try to find some way to translate it so I don't have to hear it because it's obnoxious. But this is one of the ones that you told me about, and I apologize, I've not listened to it. I have listened to bits and pieces of this sermon. I've not listened to anything, uh, (laughs) this calling. I I said it again, the sermon. I've listened to bits and pieces of this, but honestly, it's so painful to listen to what he is doing to the people, spiritually abusing the people that it's just hard for me. So let's do this. Let's take what is happening here. This is this is one of the few, I think there are three that you told me about, wherein this deacon is describing the church is struggling. They're, I don't know if they're imploding or if they're, maybe there's some sort of a division being created in the church, but essentially what has happened, according to the way I understand the intent of this clip is that when the latter rain movement was established and William Branham as the central figure began setting up the hierarchy for a destructive cult, he made, he himself made the police, the deacons, he called them God's policemen. So instead of their servant, he's made them into a militarized force basically. And to the average person who sits back and look at this, well, they're the authority. (laughs) They are the policemen, right? And so it looks like there's this big tug of war going on in the church, like you said, but let's just play this clip and let's build upon this and see where this heads. Because if you look at what happened in this calling, this appears to be the pivotal moment in which the whole thing turns from a Christian quote-unquote Christian sermon into the calling and here's the clip I'm not comparing myself to brother but there's been a thing rustling along the people apparently that's 
makes all the decisions around here. But brother, I guess it's just a figurehead. You bring shame upon me. You bring shame upon my pastor that you would say or think such things. Again, again, I try to tell people, you think brother, he's the one that makes the decisions. You're the ones that supply the money. He gives a little bit of it back. He gives a lot more back to you than what the government will give back to you. I'll tell you that. I hope you're satisfied. Brother just sold a house and bought a house. Did I have anything to do with it? No, I didn't. My wife found the house on the ads in the paper, called Brother There's a house over here, and he bought it. But please, please, don't shame me. Don't shame my brother He's not Joe Biden. Yeah, so there's so many weird things that, and I have so many questions, and and I I wish, uh, you know, yeah, it just there's so many questions that abound when you hear these sorts of things going on because, you know, what you see here is evidence that things might not be as healthy as they probably are presented on the tin. You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, there there are situations that only come up when things start getting funny and fishy and people start poking around and asking questions because things don't seem quite right. Um, now, like you said, we're not intimately, we don't have intimate knowledge of a lot of this stuff that's going on. There's, there's probably a lot of underlying, even deeper context to a lot of these things that we just don't have the context for and probably gets even weirder. If you dig even further deeper, like if you were, if I was intimately involved with this, with this, church and I, I like knew what was going on it would, it would it could probably get weird um just from my experience being around so many other churches and seeing how things go especially when when subjects like this come up and 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 things start happening this way it's usually not exactly how it's being presented uh on, at face value but yeah so it, it, there's especially when it's it's you know what's going on with the money what's going on this and like we've talked about in previous episodes you know churches Normal churches are a lot more open with what's going on, but in these cult churches, in these small isolated churches, the pastor or the central figure and his few lackeys, they control the funds. And like you as a lay person, you don't, you don't know anything that's going on. You don't know how much toilet paper they're buying, like, yeah. you know, to call back to one of your previous examples, you know, but it, and it's so crazy how when people start asking questions or something seems to, scratch at the surface of 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 what's being obfuscated from from the from the group the claws come out and it's so weird <laughs> it is man i mean people have no idea some of the people in the churches have no idea that they're supposed to be the policemen otherwise you know if they're the ones that are tattletaling to the pastor they would steer clear i mean these guys would be alone in a corner and nobody would talk to them because anything you say can and will be held against you right <laughs> <laughs> i you know when i was in it because of my rank my family's rank in the cult i really had no idea that it was this thing and i i kind of toyed with the deacons i was you know i was close friends with them and I knew their weirdnesses. I knew, <laughs> to me, they were just average guys. They weren't some sort of a weird authority like they're made out to be. <clears throat> and I never forget, there was this one deacon that he had a thing for money, which is the opposite of the quality for a deacon. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> but he had this thing for money. And if you were to drop any piece of change, he was going to find a way to get it in his pocket, no matter what. And I used to toy with him like I would be walking and I would keep 
this is wrong. I, I can't believe I'm saying this publicly. <laughs> I purposefully kept extra pennies in my pocket so that when I'd walk past him, I would roll it as far as I could to watch him run chase it. <laughs> he literally, like, <laughs> no matter where, he was going to run chase it. And one time I got one of those half dollars and I got one of those glue mouse traps and I shoved that thing way up under the glue and just set it somewhere. And later on, I <laughs> he was walking around showing somebody how a styrofoam cup could stick to his hand. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was so wrong man <clears throat> but the point i'm trying to make here is these are just average people they're they're not some supernatural authority like they're made out to be but they're in a situation where the central figure has made a destructive hierarchy where they are they're your not just your spiritual elder they are your physical authority and they to some extent, <laughs> judge, jury, and executioner in some churches. And it really sounds mm -hmm. like that's what's being set up here. Yeah, and, th and that whole thing about judge, jury, and executioner, that's something that uh, a, a lot of us who come out of these groups are very familiar with because um, it, it's, it's all sunshine and roses when you're in line with the group and everything's hunky-dory, but the minute you start asking questions or you're causing problems that wouldn't be problems in a normal, healthy environment, um, the way in which you can be removed and extracted in the most painful, vicious way possible opens your eyes to what these people are... what what can happen in some of these situations because the because it's a shock to so many people because especially if they've never encountered a bad side of a destructive group if they've only seen the good side they've only had a they've only had a good dinner with the pastor you know they, these things are, are they have no reason to see the group as anything else but when the claws come out and and and, and this ha and stuff like this happens it really is a is a shock to the system to a lot of people, and and a lot of times it further creates even deeper trauma, um, especially if these things result in people coming out because it it they've got everything else going on, and then they're also trying to deal with this the shock that they were forcefully removed from a group that they considered to be part of them. Oh yeah, and in a lot of cases, <clears throat> one of the most common questions I get in our support group, believe it or not, somebody who has recently discovered that they're in a destructive cult and just decided to change churches go to another church see how it is they they may not have even fully mentally left the cult but they just want to go okay let's go to another church and let's compare well these deacons who are also the private investigators find out i think i mentioned this in the finale on our <clears throat> first season with charles but we had a deacon, um, not a deacon, but he was an elder in the church, who actually went every Sunday to spy on my brother as he started attending a new church. Every Sunday, he was parking there and watching him walk in the door and then drive off for intimidation. <clears throat> and that's the way this thing's set up. But when you leave and they discover this, then what happens is the deacons want to gather around and they want to become spiritual mercenaries. They will... They'll ask you to come to their house or you go to theirs, <clears throat> and whenever they meet you, they spiritually berate you to the extent that you don't know. Some of these people don't know 
where they are and where they're going. They're, they're like so beaten down because they've, they've been spiritually executed by these people. And to a person who's just now finding their footing, realizing that they were in a destructive cult, this can be terrifying. I mean, it just terrifying. They tried to do it to me and my wife, I could see on her face. She was maybe not terrified, but she was really upset. And they actually came to my house and, <laughs> or said they were coming to my house. I don't know if they actually came, oh, okay. but I, I told them, I'm not going to let you in. And my wife was like really upset. And I said, don't be upset. You know, even if they come out in front of our house and chant curses at us, like a, <laughs> <laughs> like an African, you know, African witch doctor or whatever, it's no different than if they were just spraying my windows with a water hose, you know, the water's not coming through. So, but that's, that's the problem with the way these groups are set up. The deacon is your judge, jury, executioner, and then becomes the mercs whenever you decide you want to leave the church. There are no real teeth to these, these people who try to control and manipulate you in your mind because if, you know, there's, we, we have laws in place, there's things that people can't do, but the thing that they try to do is get you with manipulation and control and fear. Uh, but once you're able to set aside those things in your mind and move on from the fear and control, they have nothing over you. Um, so that sort of leads us into this next thing that's happening here. And something that when you're dealing with a spiritual group, um, one of the ways to get people in a, in a mood of control and, and sort of being receptive to what you're having to say is to really get in on this spiritual aspect, really hone in on this and, and, and get people to think something really spiritual is going on, uh, especially because a lot of people normally aren't receptive to being told you're a bad person or so-and-so is a bad, your best friend's a bad person. You know, we need to get rid of them. So what's the best way to do is, is let them think that God is moving and God is behind this entire thing that's going on here. Even if you don't understand it, you know, understand that God is, God is the one orchestrating this right now. And that's one of the things without knowing the context of what's going on here, you zoom out and just look at this from a, from just a unbiased point of view and you see all these things happening, you, you see things that, that, that just don't look right. And, yeah. and this is something that, that you, we've all experienced and we've all seen in, um, in other situations dealing with these kinds of groups. And, um, you know, it, it's a very interesting, it's, it's very interesting and it's kind of scary at the same time when you start to examine the levels of manipulation that are going on in a lot of these groups. Yea, my people, I speak unto thee, for I give this warning. I say, obey these things or I shall remove thee. I say unto you, my servants, I speak this word unto thee. You have been well pleased in my sight. And I say, speak not against the administration that I choose to put up before thee. For I have led this, and these things shall guide thee through the end. And I say, my son, I have used thee through the years. I say, lay this burden down, for I am well pleased with thee. I say this unto thee, my son, I shall give you a, rep a refreshing and I shall lift this burden from thee, thus saith the Holy Ghost. 
Oh boy, James, you did not warn me that we're going to have this on the show. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm going to receive hate mail for it, but I'm going to give my opinion. And it's my opinion. You're welcome to your opinion if you are opposed to my opinion. In these Pentecostal groups, there are people who strongly believe that anything said in tongue and what they call speaking in tongues, that anything said is directly from God. <clears throat> now, what's odd about that is many of those same people that believe that will compare a prophecy given by a minister, leader, evangelist, or whatever, and they will critically examine that prophecy, and if the prophecy fails, they'll say, that was not from God. But the moment in which they have a <clears throat> spiritual utterance, whatever you call this, you know, they call it speaking in tongues, all critical thought is suppressed because, wow, they just spoke in tongues. They don't think about, well, what's being done in this church is really wrong. This is not of God. If this thing that this person said was from a deity, it wasn't the Christian God. <clears throat> and think about the way in which it's phrased. Thus saith the Holy Spirit. They're taking the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which lives, according to the Bible, in each one of us and leads us and guides us. And they're saying that this tongue, this thing where I'm saying, Bless these people that are about to execute a calling in the church is being blessed by the Holy Spirit. So I, I for one, I'm going to give my opinion that this is wrong. I don't care where you stand on tongues. I also know that in those same examples I gave, they'll look at ministers who have what they consider, what they call a prophecy, and when they examine it and they realize it's false, they'll say, well, this person lied. That wasn't a prophecy. It didn't come from God. They made it up. Well, what about this person <laughs> who's, who's literally <laughs> blessing a calling in the church? Can you really say that that person really was doing that, or was this all rehearsed? For me, I look at it, and I, I really question whether or not that was a rehearsed <laughs> speaking in tongues. Yeah, it's, it's something that I, as I was going through and examining what was going on here, it, it, it's it's something that really stood out to me as extremely odd. And I've been in churches like this. I've been in, I've been around when when people start doing the tongues um, thing, and it's one of those things that, in, especially in the church that I grew up in, it was always everybody was always extremely reverent. Everybody was always extremely fearful because of the way, like you said, that they were taught that this was this was God, this was an angel, this was something that was happening that was extremely supernatural, and we're just going to be extremely reverent and we're just going to treat this like it's God, and then we'll sort it out later. And when this is going on, it really. <clears throat> It really sets the stage of of the things that are to come, and and it whew, it, it really um, it, it really makes you nervous about the potential for 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 what is like like you said maybe the potential orchestration level of what's going on here because it just seems so odd like like it seems out of place and it doesn't feel like something that's just natural occurrence. You know, um, and, and I don't know the person who, who did this. I don't know anything about them. I, I, this is not a attack on that person. Um, this is all just to draw an example of, of, of what's going on here because, 
uh yeah it definitely seems odd yeah and i second that this what i said is not attacking the person i don't know the person's heart they they might truly believe that that came from god i can truly tell you my opinion is if it was it wasn't the right god i'll just leave it at that i know people who claim that they have spiritual dreams and i have even seen them tell me something that they knew it from a dream before it actually happened in my life. So whether that's real or not, I'm not going to say, but they they believe this thing. I've also seen that same person who had that same thing happen as a spiritual prediction or whatever you want to call it, who <clears throat> knew of a situation and was so deeply, deeply involved with it that night and day, that's all they could think. They couldn't eat, sleep. They were continually thinking about this thing. And lo and behold, while their mind is obsessed with it, they suddenly start having dreams about it. And I have to question, was that really a spiritual dream? Or did they just hype themselves up to a mental condition where this thing came out? I do know, I've studied speaking in tongues, and I do know that there is a there are psychological conditions in which you can condition your head to do this. And anybody, I'll get hate mail, I already see it, but <laughs> anybody who thinks otherwise, it's a Hindu practice as well. Hindus can do similar things, and they, you know, they don't call it speaking in tongues like the Pentecostals, but it's very, very similar. So if you believe that, then you also have to believe by extension that the Hindu gods, and there are thousands of them, that the Hindu gods are the true God because they also spoke in tongues. So for me, I have no problem critically examining anything like this. Whether the person was doing something purposefully wrong or not, I'm not going to say, but what they said was wrong. Right. And, you know, I I think one of the things that would be kind of helpful here is to kind of quickly recap real quick kind of like where we are in the chronological order of things so so we start out with the the deacon doing his prayer setting the stage then also going into talking about the issues the things that have come up and you know trying to set things from his perspective and the right framing of how they want it to go and then after he's done speaking you've got a transition over to the to the pastor gets up to speak but before that we've got this this tongues interject this tongues speaking interjected in the middle of that so as we're handing off to the pastor we're moving on from the tongues and then we're going into the pastor speaking and this is where um we start getting into the the situation about what we're wearing and, um, you know, it's one of those things that like, like we talked about, and we, I, I probably should not harp on it too much since we spent so much time at the beginning, sort of setting the stage for that. Um, you know, it's, it's very in, in these churches, it's very, very important what you wear to church. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, there's a big difference between wearing, being disrespectful and there's a big difference for just, you know, coming and, and wearing what you have or, or whatever. And, and, and there's like, cause you know, when somebody's trying to be disrespectful with, with what they're doing, um, you know, and, and so it's not a, it's not like a fine line between, um, between that kind of stuff. So, but it's one of those things that if you were, in a lot of these groups, if you're not wearing almost the, the biggest and the best sorts of clothes to church, 
uh, as far as like suits and all this sorts of thing, then you are almost shamed for, for not having, um, either, either God's not blessing you enough to, to be able to wear the right kind of clothes to church that we're expected for being the bride. We, we are, we are, we have this, all this great knowledge. God is bestowing all this wonderful, uh, secret knowledge onto us and you can't even wear your Sunday best. You know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, but, uh, but yeah, let, let's, let's roll into this clip here and then, uh, we can dive in a bit further. I was looking this morning at some young brothers, 14, 15 years old, and stand up. I stand up. Stand up. Come on, stand up, please. Come on. Look at these young men. The boys. There's a Boy, stand up. Nobody told them, you boys, wear, wear your best on Sunday. When we went to, you don't know how proud that made me to be able to look at some young men that were in a crowd of people that don't care how they dress. I love you, brothers. You can be seated now. And I'm going to say this this morning. If you got a position in this church, honor that position enough to where that you will dress, at least with a jacket on. I don't care if you have to work, you put it in your truck, you put it in your car, but you wear that when you come into church. I'm not talking to everybody, because we got young men sitting back there, they're men now, they're in their 20s, not all of them, but I'm proud of them. And you sisters, God bless your hearts. I would expect to see you, and I believe I would, if I met you on the street tomorrow, dressed to where that you were covered. We're not, we're not in this for a show. We're not in this to just be church people or try to fool somebody. Yeah, so James, this is one of the, I think there were three clips that I did know about. <clears throat> this is one of the ones that I did know about. And this is an example, if when you're under this, you don't recognize what's happening. So he's having the, the boys stand up and saying, you are the ones who are doing right. Well, the flip side of that is he's singling out every other person in the congregation who isn't doing right. It's part of the culling process. So these are the ones who I'm going to say that their spiritual <laughs> significance is greater than all of you others. <clears throat> and I've been in churches where they did this kind of thing, and it's awful. Because like you said, not everybody can even afford good clothes. And I have seen people who literally had nothing but rags. And they would come to church, and they would feel so... I don't know what's the word. Insignificant is not not even cutting it. Like they they feel demoralized. They feel demoralized because they don't have good clothes. And that's what the passages about modesty in the Bible are talking about. When you come and you look like this and and remember the Bible says God does not look to the outside. He looks to the inside. <clears throat> and when you present yourselves in this way where you're taking specific individuals and saying they're more godly than these others, well, what about the others that can't afford it? Does God not love them? That's that's the problem with what's happening here. And um, like I said, I had seen this quote towards the end of it, and I'll, I'll play it here in a second. 
they start talking about going on vacations and how <clears throat> no matter where they went, the wife dressed holy. And it makes the deacon sound like they're on some spiritual plane. It, I'll play it right here. I went on a trip, which was a trip of a lifetime to me. You say, well, you'd just been to Norway. That, that was a working vacation. I preached five times there. Every day we was on that trip, Sister she's dressed just like she is this morning. You, can, you can't wear out a Christian life. You can't wear it on the outside. There's got to be something inside pushing you on. So he's talking about the wife, and the wife is, you know, apparently dressing like the saint while they're on vacation. And it goes even further to the point I'm trying to make. If they were sent to spread the gospel in some of these islands, you know, like the lady in Alaska that I mentioned who couldn't become part of the religion because she might die if she wore the clothes. Well, think about near the equator where you got to wear all this heavy <laughs> garb and you're sweating like a pig. You might also die or, you know, dehydrate at minimum. <clears throat> so there are there are island nations where they wear the custom according to their environment and they present themselves like this. The odd story I'll give here, and I won't give his name, and I probably can't give all the details, but one of the deacons that I knew and considered to be a close friend, <clears throat> he and his wife went on vacation to a, a place like I'm describing. And yes, his wife wore the Pentecostal garb, but he had chosen a nude beach. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to give too many details, but let's just say it like this. He enjoyed that nude beach a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy because, you know, I, I've experienced um, a, the way this, this is sort of being presented here. I've experienced this a lot in uh, these types of churches where, um, you know, the, the, the speaker will speak out of both sides of their mouth. So they'll say that I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm also going to take this, this example that I'm trying to promote and I'm going to put it up on such a high pedestal that you choose to, uh, to align with it because you're, because I'm presenting this as this is, the, this is a holier route. And so you do, you end up with this sort of thing. And I, and I saw this a lot where, Everybody is always trying to one up the other person because they're told it's something on the inside, but that if it's truly on the inside, it's going to be fighting to get out of you. And so everybody to prove how spiritual they are, they're always trying to one up each other, wearing better clothes, being more getting to church earlier. They're always, they're always trying to do these outward things to one up everybody else to prove how, um, how spiritual they are. And, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you're, you end up doing the thing that they want and they can sit back and say, well, I didn't tell you to do X, Y, or Z. You know, I never told you, you had to wear a suit. I just told you that these boys who are wearing a suit are an extreme example of, 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 of what we're trying to promote. And so in effect, they get what they want without exactly telling you explicitly do X, Y, or Z. And, and it's something that this, it's, I experienced it a lot with all different types of topics and all sorts of things where, you know, the minister can sit back and say, well, I never said to do that, but you did it. They got what they wanted, but they can sit back and say, well, I never told you to do it. 
Exactly. And, you know, these churches, the way that they are set up, they are churches of condemnation. It is a quote-unquote gospel of condemnation. And the problem is, because they condemn based off of opinions instead of actual biblical themes, whatever it is that the pastor or the deacons don't like, they will just berate you for it. And they will <clears throat> they'll try to make you think that you are a low and evil person if you're doing something that they have an opinion against. And it's just an opinion. But because they have associated and linked the Holy Spirit to whatever is their opinion, their opinion then becomes a god to you. And in doing so, I have to say, it becomes a false god to you. One of the things that you'll, you'll see happen in some of these situations where um, you do have a culling that's about to take place. You know, you have you also have to talk about those who have also went away and are not no longer part of us. And one of the things that um, this next clip is so it's so interesting because I, I know I've seen from. A lot of the examples I've seen, I, I've never seen one yet where what was presented over the pulpit in one of these churches about somebody who left or someone who's no longer part of the group is exactly how it actually is in reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's always, it's always framed in a way that makes the group look good and the other person who left look bad. But let's, uh, let's roll into this clip and uh, dive in a bit further. We had a couple and their family that left a few months ago now. Now here they're trying to pull others into the church to which that they've gone to. You know why they left? Because they didn't want to hear us brothers speak about sports. Because their young people are tied up in them. Whatever, whatever you're tied up in is probably what you're going to do. Now they're trying to get other people to follow them. Yeah, you know, whenever I first left, again, this is a gospel of condemnation, quote-unquote gospel. And what they like to do is they like to find something that they caught you in, and it's a sin that they've invented. It's not even an actual what the Bible would consider to be sin. It's extra-biblical sin, an extra-biblical God creating an extra-biblical sin that you have to wear you know, these weights on your shoulders to uphold. <clears throat> well, there's also varying opinions among the ministers. So what one opinion, what, what one minister holds as his opinion, and he gives it with the authority of the Holy Spirit as his Holy Spirit opinion, well, the other ministers may not share the same opinion. So I grew up in a world where sports was not forbidden, I also went to churches where it was. Some, some of the churches I've been to, sports were forbidden. My family, my father was a sports star. And in fact, he was, um, he was actually, you know, won some medals, I believe it was in high school. He was, he was actually pretty good. I grew up, I'm a musician and an artist. And, you know, I, I, I'm not very good at sports. I'll just say it like that. I, <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy them. I'm not very good at them, <clears throat> but I, I do play from time to time, and somebody, after I left the cult, somebody caught me either through a maybe a Facebook post or something, saw a photograph of me doing some sport. I don't even remember what it was. And they thought they would hold it over my head as though I would be embarrassed by it. 
and I'm not. You know, I, I probably <laughs> if they saw my score, I might be embarrassed about it, but they didn't see <laughs> they didn't see that. <clears throat> but they started holding in my head, John is doing the sports. He's the evil guy. And I, I just kind of laugh because they have no clue what they're saying. And you know, I, I made the point earlier, I'm gonna continue to make it. It's a false god. They have a false god with a false religion, with a false set of rules that has no basis in the Bible whatsoever. But they'll try to uphold it because this quote-unquote Holy Spirit spoke it to a minister or a speaking in tongues or whatever it was, and they have now taken that and it has become molded into into this false deity that they worship. Yeah, uh, the, the sports is, is one of those things that's it's it depends, like you said, it depends on which group you're in, but. I know I, I've seen it both ways where where sometimes it's it's a little okay and the and the minister allows the parents to put their kids in sports activities, but always encourages about the time they reach adulthood, they probably need to be putting that away and getting more focused on the church. But while they're, you know, young and doing all that stuff, like they shouldn't be playing professional sports because because that that's ungodly and that's just that's gets further further into the world and all the all the things that they would have to have to be around and all the money and all that yeah, no, 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 don't 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 do that. By the time they reach adulthood, they should probably be done with it. Then you have other churches who are like, just the, just, I mean, sports is just, it's a completely ungodly. It's, it's a waste of time. We should not be, our young people shouldn't be focused on that stuff. And they should be more focused on listening to tapes. If you're in a message context, reading their Bible and, you know, worrying about getting to church on time and, and, and being involved in the service and all this, they should be solely focused on that, you know, um, teach them how to be productive and go to work and that stuff. But when they're not doing that, they should be focused on church, you know, and, and this, this, and, and it's, you know, I hate to even call it church when we're talking about these, these, these cult movements, but, um, but that's how they think of it when, when they're in the movement. But, um, you know, and, and it's, it is, it's so destructive because you get people who, who do, they, they, they push back on it and they reject because they're like, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem to line up with everything else I know. And this seems completely, overboard and overkill and then you know if uh you know if if they need a good excuse it's it's they love sports too much is a really good excuse you know there are so many examples i could give i'm actually having a hard time deciding which ones but one of the clip one of the three clips that i knew about was talking about dancing at weddings and this is a funny thing to me because in the cult and its affiliates dancing is forbidden which just blows your mind because all th- <laughs> all throughout the old testament <clears throat> they were dancing and they were dancing and it was forms of dancing for praise for celebrations for i mean on every occasion had a special dance but we grew up in a world where dancing if you danced you had a demon you had a devil yeah which again points to the fact that this is not the Christian God. This is a different God because the God of the Bible clearly loved dancing, but I'll play the clip here, but this, this man gets into this rant about people who are dancing at weddings. Well, have you not read the old Testament? There was a wedding sometime a year or so ago that there was, that there was a dance. I wasn't there. But word come back to me about certain things that went on, which I won't get into. Then, then the last wedding between our young brother and sister, there was a dance there. 
I was there. But I tell you, I tell you right now, if this is going to be something that's going to be be done before you dance, I'll leave the next time. Don't. You better make that the last thing in that thing in that. Because you're not going to accuse me of something that I have nothing to do with. And I never danced a dance in my life, and I don't even start now unless the Lord puts it in me. Then I'll dance. There have been times that I almost have, but I didn't. Maybe I just held back. You know why I'm saying these things this morning? Because I, lo I love you people. I don't say it out of hate. Yeah, so the the dancing thing, I, I I was always instructed growing up in 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 these churches that, um, you know, dancing was very satanic. It was we shouldn't do it. The only sort of dancing we should be doing is dancing in the spirit. If if that ever happens in a service, that's the only dancing that's that's condoned in these churches. Um, and uh, you know, it's crazy because, like you said, if you go back and just look at the history, look at look at the look at the especially in these churches where they where they pull so heavily out of the Old Testament for their uh, more dogmatic and more um, more strict, especially like when they try to pull things for clothing and different things like that. They'll always try to pull out of the Old Testament to reaffirm stuff, but then. Dancing always just gets left back there in the Old Testament, you know, and, and they'll just be like, well, you know, we, we, we don't, you know, we're, we're in a different thing. We're in a different dispensation, <laughs> whatever, however they put it, you know, yeah. and uh, it's it's this pick and choose of what they're going to pull and what they're going to leave behind, which is so problematic when you when you really get down and really start looking at, you know, what's being left behind. But, yeah, there there is so much more. And this is another thing. We are so far away from the context and the times in which these things were written, you know, even, even the, the time between the old Testament and the new Testament, and then us from, you know, a point in time when we were 2000 years from the, from the new Testament. And it's like, there's, we live in a completely different time. The, 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 the societal guidelines and, and, and the, the, the way the societal norms are, we're so much different. We don't have the context for what it was like to be in that time. And ministers try to pull things like they're being said today and apply today's context to things and you end up with this completely weird thing and all of a sudden dancing is outlawed you know and it's 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 ridiculous yeah and you know it's not just the old testament many of these same ministers that forbid dancing they'll tell you the story about the prodigal son and they use it to just you know as a gut wrench on the heart Somebody who's wandered astray, let's lead him back into the cult. <clears throat> but they don't tell you. If you get down to, what is it, verse 25 of uh, book of Luke chapter 15, part of them bringing the, the boy back who had gone astray was dancing, music and dancing, man. <laughs> so it's part of the story, but they, they won't tell you that part. Dancing is, <laughs> is forbidden. It, it just it blows your mind. It just, again, to my point, it shows you that this is not the Christian God that these people are serving. Yeah, and as we lead into this next clip here, um, you know, there's there's a there's so many weird things that go on, and and, and you see, there's and and we've talked about how you know these groups how they prey on women and and they control what they can wear and things like that and things that normal society and I'm talking about the most normal of normal society would 
be like, this is completely fine. We have no problem with this. But in the cult, I mean, if you're wearing anything other than a, than a turtleneck at times as a woman, you're like going to hell as a Jezebel. <laughs> it's just, oh, that's yeah. just how it is in these groups. But let's, uh, let's roll into this clip and, uh, and dive in a bit further. I was told something that happened lately. So I, I saw I saw the pictures, I saw the I saw the video. I know what I saw. I saw a young girl in a video now that it's out to where it can be seen other places and in the states and no doubt in the world. Of a young girl here in with her showing too much of the flesh. More or less moving to a video that had uh, a word that I wouldn't even mention the letter to it because it is that vulgar. I tell you what, young people, if you're exposing yourself in a way that you shouldn't, there are these sex predators out here that are waiting for you. There are many of a young girl that have, that have put themselves on on video today that are in sex slave camps. Oh, it can't never happen. It can. It can. Yeah, so this one, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier, these deacons and, you know, these guys are private investigators. They're watching you. They're, you know, whatever you're doing, they've got an eye on you. they got an eye on your social media accounts. We actually had people who escaped the cult because of this exact scenario. They had posted something on Facebook, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was. But, the, and I'm not going to give his name, the minister got up and literally said, God gave me a vision, and you, as I'm calling you out of my church, <clears throat> you were doing X, Y, and Z. And the person left, and they contacted me and said, no, he didn't have a vision. He saw my Facebook account. <laughs> and <clears throat> it's just so wrong, man, what they're doing to the people. But more to the point, the, the showing of too much flesh. Okay, I get if you want to dress like a prostitute, that might not be a good idea. But Jesus sat with the prostitutes, right? <laughs> you, you lift them up. <clears throat> they won't tell you that part. There's not too many sermons about Christ with the prostitutes in this type of religion. But think about what it is. This is a Pentecostal religion wherein skin, the skin that God gave you, is evil. Skin. It's so wrong. But where do they draw the line? And they kept moving the line back and back and back and back. If you look at some of the old Pentecostals before the Lateraine movement, <clears throat> they're dressed, you know, not even <laughs> as conservative as some of the modern ones that I've seen. <laughs> it, yeah. It's really, really odd. There were, in the cult that I grew up in, there were actually ministers who said that if your toes were showing, you were a harlot. Your toes, man. <laughs> wow. And <clears throat> I remember I was in the cult when I first learned this, and I was thinking— you know, the toes don't really turn me on that much. I wonder what's wrong with this minister. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it is it's crazy, and 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 I, uh, I I did inquire a bit to try to figure out what's going on. And from what I understand, this girl was wearing something in in line with like what you would expect to like wear to like a prom. Yeah. And if that's really what's going on here, th this is this really is just 
ridiculous and ridiculous to the extreme. And that's, I mean, we're talking about extreme groups and extreme movements. So we, I guess we should expect nothing less, but you know, it, it is, it's so sad how, you know, and that's something I, I was talking to somebody who was, who was familiar, who was an outsider who was familiar with the Branham movement. And they knew, they knew of some of the kids and, had interactions with their kids. And one of the things that they said about the girls is they would always come over from school and want to wear that person's girl's clothes because they're like, I want to be normal like you. I, I want to, you know, and it's, it's so sad that a lot of these girls have to sneak away and do things and, and they get, get a moment of just feeling normal and, and just, and, and they're not out trying to be harlots and all these things that put on, but it's like, just, just desperately, I see nothing wrong with what you're doing. And I just want to, I just want a chance of normalcy, you know, and, and, you know, it's so sad. And, he, and even this person was expressing to me how, 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 how sad it was. And, and they were even saw that back then being like, wow, you know, they're, they're, they really, how, how bad is it if, if, if they just, you know, want to wear my daughter's pants for a second just to feel normal, then, 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 then maybe that's weird, you know? Um, yeah, it, it is. It's so sad. And then just to see the military, militarized side of this where it's like, you know, when, when you fall out of, when you fall out of line, the, everything comes down upon you and all of your sins will be made known and you will be you will be ripped from this congregation and made an example of because we can't have such in our congregation because we are of a higher calling you know and a lot of people don't really think about this i'm in contact with the um executives at the spiritual abuse forum and they constantly have these posts on their forum about <clears throat> the they they do focus on pentecostal churches but they talk about the sexual problems in the churches pastors elders deacons preying upon men women and children and it, it is a widespread problem i'm not going to say that it's only in the pentecostal style churches because it's everywhere but if you look at the sheer numbers of what they're showing me, I've never seen Like you take the Baptist church. I've never seen numbers like that out of a Baptist denomination. The number of men that are being arrested. I mean, I think there were either two or three just this month. It's, it's unbelievable. Think of what it does to the minds of the children. Back to the toe example. I, I have no problem with seeing a woman's toes. You know, there, <laughs> there are parts of a woman that <laughs> excite a man. To me, I don't understand. I know that there are cultures, you know, entire cultures in other countries that the toe is the thing. Me? No, man. I, <laughs> I know where that toe has been. I don't want something that's been covered in mud. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but think about the children in there. Think of the boys who from birth were told that if they see a little bit of a toe, they're looking at a sex symbol. Then they get out into the real world. You go to the mall, you go to Walmart, you go to Kroger, and you suddenly see a woman in sandals and you see a toe. Well, suddenly you've been associating the toe with sex in your head. Now these these men think that they're literally in a whorehouse. I mean, that's how bad it is. And yeah. it, it's awful, you know, and it... For me, it just it still goes back to the point. I'm going to continue to say it. It is a false god that they're serving. It's it's so crazy, and 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 it, all these examples have have 
led us down to even one of the most craziest examples of this entire thing. And, 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 and it, this kind of really is the cherry on top of, of all of the things that you could bring against somebody to say that they're not, they're not acting like they should in this group and they're kind of going against what we want. And, and it's, I mean, you know, talking about somebody taking too many vacations is something that I never thought I would have heard in a, in, in coming out of a message church. But you know, these days I shouldn't, ju- I just shouldn't be surprised about the things that they're going to use to, to try to whip people into shape or, or cut them out if they have to, you know, but, uh, this next clip, uh, it's a doozy. Brother and sister told you I'd mention some names. You didn't think I would do that, did you? You're gone too much. You take too many vacations. You leave your girls in the house alone. That is where predators come in. I'm sorry I have to do this. I appreciate Brother what he said here this morning. Our sister... And their brother just went on a trip to, to Italy. It's on the internet. Her sister was wearing a dress up to here. Makes me want to cry. There ain't nothing in Italy but a bunch of, a bunch of Catholics and queers and drunkards. I wish they was here this morning. I wish they could hear what I got to say. I love them. I love the family. I I had to correct my son. You know it. If you got any ears to hear, you know it. He's pulling away from what it was. I hope that he gets straightened out. I love my son. He tells me he loves me too. But there's a devil out there that is just reaching, reaching. If there's somebody else, if there's somebody else that has got that kind of inclination about you, go right ahead. You may go to another church, but don't expect a rapture to take you. Now I'm judging. There's not two truths. Yeah. So James, this is the last one that I I, I did know about. In fact, I think I listened to part of this one. I couldn't listen to all of it because this is this is in its pure form just pure spiritual abuse. It has all of the elements of spiritual abuse. You have a <laughs> you have a statement that is clearly saying, "I am spying on you. I'm going to watch your yeah. videos. I'm going to get into your private life. I'm going to watch you, and if you don't do what is my opinion, I'm going to make you part of the calling. I'm going to turn everyone that you know." All of your friends, I mean, this in these churches, this is their everything. It's their support group. It's their friends, their families, their celebrations. Everything that they know and love is in here. I'm going to single you out in front of everybody else, and I'm going to turn every single person in your life against you. That's what's happening here. To the average person who's never been in this thing, they probably wouldn't catch all that. They would just listen to it and think, that guy's not a good guy. That's all they would think. Yeah. But if you if you've been in this and you know what's happening, he has just ruined the lives of several people. Who the people that he's talking about here, but not just them. In many cases, 
their friends, their family. I've seen this thing happen whenever they have a calling like this, <clears throat> and they call some son. Well, by proxy, the father, the mother, well, they raised a bad son, so they in turn are now frowned upon, or sometimes they're called as well. Brothers, sisters, cousins, friends, close friends, you know, family, even extended family sometimes get part of the calling. Because what happens is it becomes, <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to use the word Trump uses because it's not going to get into politics, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> <clears throat> this turns into an actual witch hunt. This turns into something where after the calling happens, now they start to examine all of the connections to it. And remember, these guys are spying on you. They're watching your home videos. They're looking at your social media accounts. These men are truly, purely evil men. And they want to make the lives of these people they call miserable. And in the worst cases, I know people who have dealt with this. It's horrific. In the worst cases, some of them commit suicide. So they're actually causing the death of some of the people that are part of the culling. And for me, it's this is the climax of this whole culling it's not a sermon, this this calling event that's happening in this church, the climax. The climax could lead to death. We don't know if it did or not. I don't even know when this was, but it could lead to death. And for me, James, this is problematic because now you've got a false gospel. You've got a false god. The false god is giving you a false set of rules. And instead of the Christ who came to save the lowest sinner, the prostitute, you've got a false Jesus who doesn't like the woman who dresses like they say is a prostitute, whether it is or not. They don't like the woman or the man, you know, whatever's going on here. Instead of helping them to share the gospel, to come to Jesus or whatever, instead, let's sever them and let's create a division in the body of Christ. I, I question whether this is the body of Christ. This is the body of a false God. But say it was Christians. I, I'm not the one to judge them. They've created a wedge between their own body of their church people. And there's no way that you can look at this event, this calling that happened. There's no way you can look at this and say, this is the Christian God. Yeah, and this is this is one of the things that, you know, when you look and... and this is when it really goes bad for a person. Like when they're in these groups, when, when, you know, when, when the entire administration comes down and says, you are not one of us. And, you know, they are all of your dirty laundry, whether it's dirty or not, they make it in the eyes of the church. Like this is all dirty laundry and we're exposing this all and, and, and putting you up on, on the crucifixion post because we are going to crucify you in front of the entire church. And, you know, it's sad. It's so sad when, when, especially, and, and I don't know, I don't know these people that are being, that are, that, that are in this, in this clip, but, you know, I, I would imagine just from put myself in, in the shoes and imagine how I used to think of, of the people in, in the church that I went with, you know, there was such a closeness and such a bond. And then to have something like this ripped from you is very traumatic for a lot of people. And, 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 and some people, this is the start of their journey out. Um, if they weren't already showing signs of leaving and maybe that's what caused some of this to happen, you know, you never know it, it, it things happen. And so sometimes maybe, you know, 
maybe they can find a way out from things like this, but this is just so horrible and so traumatic to, to be embarrassed and ridiculed and, 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 and use an example to, to sort of one, keep everybody else in line by showing first you have examples early on of showing the good examples. We want the look at these boys and look at how they're dressing. This is, this is, this is what we want. And now we're in the, this is what we don't want. These are the people that we don't want. And, it's it it is it's so sad and and that's why when you lay it all out in context and you and you see it all play out and you see all the pieces working together it really ha- leaves you with a very sinister sick feeling in the bottom of your stomach it's so sad james and you know i've been trying to think through this whole episode how do i end this because this is an awful event this is a calling and like i said it could lead to deaths this is a calling from a false deity, from a people who are worshiping a false god. And these people, some of them, you know, it's it's awful. But I have seen cases like this where people actually died because of this. How do you end this on a lighter note? And I'm glad that you said what you said because it is true. When people see a calling like this and the people, <clears throat> you know, I don't know these people. I don't know the situation. I barely know the church. But the people who are in the church, they do know these people. And some of them, in the cases that I've seen where there is a calling, they're, they're good people. And when these people leave, suddenly it gives the mind a chance to think on the fact that, wait a minute, this was a good person. Am I doing what's right here? And in some cases, that can lead to the person who's now critically thinking. It can lead to their escape. So if there is a brighter note of this awful calling that we've examined, the brighter note is it may help people escape and actually leave a false god and find the true god. So if you have if you have weird doctrines that you'd like for us to discuss on the show, you can contact us on the web. You can find us at william-branham.org. For an in-depth look at the dangers of being in these groups, read Weaponize Religion from Latter Rain to Colonia Dignidad, available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. 